Tuesday, February 6th, and we have a first guest coming on, a first time guest coming on, Jeremy Rusco to talk all things Emporia Country Club, or is it actually called that? We'll find out very, very soon. He comes on at about 8.30 or so. The Disc Golf Pro Tour drops a bomb on the Disc Golf community, announcing that they will be leaving their partnership with UDisc. Was this a smart decision? We'll get into that. Another thing, should disc golf companies be worried? There has been some... Um, interesting uses of other companies logos and images and likenesses is disc golf getting big enough to where companies should be worried we'll dive into that we've got our wild story of the week edwin stats this week guys i'm telling you right now you're going to want to stick around for it. it is fantastic and then we're going to finish it off with our listener questions but before we get into all that we have an ad this podcast which makes it possible for us to do this and we appreciate it Silas, go ahead and run that we'll jump right back into the podcast but before i do want to talk to you guys about today's sponsor is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals regardless if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety or if you're just a human who lives in this world who is going through a hard time therapy can give you the tools to approach your life in a very different way and that's why i'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor better help BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible. And this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be really hard, especially when you're limited to the options in your area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in as little as a few days. It's easy to sign up and get matched up with a therapist. There's a link in the description down below. All you have to do is do betterhelp.com foundation. And by clicking that link, Today, you can get 10% off your first month on BetterHelp, so you can connect with a therapist and see if it helps you. And because finding a therapist is a little like dating, if you don't really fit with a therapist, which is a common thing in therapy, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost without stressing about insurance, who's in your network, or anything like that. So if you're struggling, consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link in the description or visit betterhelp.com slash foundation. That is betterhelp.com slash foundation. And again, thank you so much to our sponsor today, BetterHelp. So I'm back in Las Vegas. Yuli, you're still home. How was your week, brother? Week's been good, man. Just getting ready for the tour. As you know, it's coming up pretty dang quick. I leave for... Uh... I leave for Idaho tomorrow to run my tournament over there in Boise, Yulabari Safari. So we're getting ready for that. Um, That's with your brother. Uh, well, I've ran it. It, it started off as a um, the community kind of came together. I don't know about five six years ago and would run a fundraiser for me to get funds for the tour. And then you know now it's been running for a few years and now I kind of just go go back every single year and we run it. So it's a B tier nice. this year. So it's growing every single year, filled up super fast. Um great community and I just enjoy going back. My brother is coming though. Okay. Um to play it. He played it for the first time last year and it's kind of becoming a nice little tradition. So excited nice. to get back over there. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully you guys have good weather weather is still my arch nemesis. <laughs> I I went up last week to Lynchburg, Virginia to do a bunch of stuff with foundation. We ended up shooting the all-star events, which will be posted, I think starting next week. So be on the lookout for that. A lot of cool content coming on foundation disc golf, but I get up there and it's 
I always hear the same thing. Oh man, a couple days ago, it was like 80 degrees, sunny. It was, I'm like, well, it's not right now. It's, and Hunter normally gives me a hard time with me complaining about how cold it was. He, for the first time was like, okay, this is actually, this is actually really cold. So we made it work though. Everyone was great. Um, crazy to see how many employees we have now. Now, granted, we have a retail store up there, which hopefully when Worlds comes around, hopefully everyone can stop by. I'm sure we're going to probably do some sort of tour life signing or something uh, there as well as a bunch of other events. But uh, we have a bunch of the kids from Liberty come over and kind of work the retail store. The warehouse has kind of been built out a little bit. So it's been it was really cool to kind of get everyone together and play some disc golf. So definitely be on the lookout for that. But I'm currently in Vegas I'm not going to the Super Bowl. Let me make that clear. I'm Why? I'm because I don't first off, I don't care about either one of these teams. It's enough. a Super Bowl though. Nobody cares. I've already been. I've already I was at the Atlanta Falcons, Patriots. Was I was it cool? I was row three on like the ten or fifteen yard line. Was it cool? Yes. It was so incredible. Go back. It's, I guarantee it was cool enough to go back. I got paid sixty thousand dollars to go to that Super Bowl. Okay, so go this time for free. Thirty thirty thousand a pop. You could like, you could, you could justify it. Yeah, I guess if I use if I use that money for this, and yes, I guess it would be going to the Super Bowl for free. But yeah, I mean, I I just I, I went to nine home games in the Raiders State, yeah, Allegiant Stadium. I've been in the stadium before, and uh, I mean, if the Raiders were in it. 100% me and Kelsey would be there, but I would be there. I would have to pull, I would have to pull a big time tour like play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, if the, cause Kelsey would be cheering if the Raiders were in it, but yeah. I think we might even have gone if the Cowboys were in it. Cause obviously she still has yeah. uh, allegiance to the Cowboys being, that was the first NFL team she cheered for. But yeah, I can't, the price tag of like 16, $18,000 for like, not a great seat. I can't, can't justify she that. She doesn't I'll, have any pull to get you guys in there. You know, you have no, 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 no. Okay, all right. I figured no, you guys no, no, would no. have a little pull, but okay. Uh, pretty I, strict. No, I mean, I think even like Christian McCaffrey, I think his family came out saying how they were trying to get like a a suite or a box for the Super Bowl, and they're like, it's it's too expensive even for us. So I, <laughs> oh, I mean, I. Yeah, it's just, yeah, we're you know, good. We're good. It, this is this is a company Super Bowl. I mean, all all Super Bowls I think are very company based, where yeah. they have you know the big companies come in. But this one feels like it's going to be even more so, just with the price tag of it all. Check, but check. we'll see. I think the two teams are exciting to watch. I just don't really have an allegiance between you know to any one of them. I, I think I think the 49ers are going to win. You do. You're going against P Mahomes. I don't like it. Because I thought there was no shot watching the Chiefs play this regular season. I thought there was no shot they were going to make the Super Bowl and look where they ended up. So that quarterback, man's different. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he doesn't even, I mean, he has Travis Kelsey, he has Rasheed Rice. I mean, he has some targets, but he doesn't have like an incredible, you know, wide receiver. He just, he, he's also so hard to tackle. 
know. He really is. Why is he so hard to tackle? He's like, you know who he reminds he, me of that nobody like makes this reference, but he reminds me. If you me say of, the same person, I'm gonna I'm gonna go nuts. No, Kyle Murray. Okay. How he, how he kind of? I mean, he's not as fast, of course, but he kind of just gets out of there. Yeah, I was gonna say he's like a faster Ben Roethlisberger, oh, of where no. guys guys are just grabbing his shoulder and you're like, Oh, he's going to go down. And then he just seems to like, not go. Now, obviously Ben Roethlisberger, not the most agile or mobile yeah, quarterback, not at all. but he was very hard to get down. Yeah. Like he, he was throwing balls and didn't, didn't, I think he did that. Mahomes threw one as he was falling to the ground. Right. Oh yeah. Wasn't that recently? Yeah. So I think it's gonna be a good game overall. Um, you know, obviously you got the Taylor Swift, uh, aspect of it and then ushers performing. I think that that would have been different for me too. If there was a if there was someone halftime performance wise, I got to see Lady Gaga in Atlanta. Oh wow. That was incredible. Usher, some of these some of these clips I'm seeing on social media of him doing his red residency residency out here in Vegas. I don't know man. Okay. All right. I don't know. People think Taylor might kind of jump in and do something too. I don't think, I I think there's no shot. She's doing anything with the halftime show. No. Um, all right. So we've got Jeremy coming on in about 15 or 17 minutes or so. Okay. Silas, Silas will let us know about that, but I do want to jump into this story real quick. The disc golf pro tour drops their partnership with UDIS. So the Disc Golf Pro Tour will be making a new platform called DGPT Scores and Stats, and it will be hosted on DiscGolfProTour.com, powered by the PDGA Live with stats and analytics from uh, developed by StatMando, who, if you remember, they acquired a few months ago. So developed did... by Edwin. That's what yeah. we needed here. Yeah, <laughs> that, would be, that would be wild. Edwin is ours. You can't take them from us, uh, Disc Golf Pro Tour. Um, but this is what the UDIS Live came out with this statement. They said the Disc Golf Pro Tour has informed UDIS that it plans to operate with a new technology service in 2024, bringing it into UDIS Live's run of eight seasons, providing real-time scoring and statistics as well as broadcast graphics for the Disc Golf Network. While we're disappointed to not be powering score, powering scoring and stats for Disc Golf Pro Tour, uh, since 2016, we thank the tour and its staff for their partnership and are still excited to continue to follow their progress as they move into their ninth season. As we look ahead, we're even more excited about the opportunities on the horizon for UDISC. Uh, from the throw-by-throw -throw scoring entry that debuted at the first Disc Golf Pro Tour event and has been available in the UDISC app since 2017, to the win probability model that helped underpin our recently released rounds ratings algorithm, not to mention world rankings, strokes gained, and other advanced metrics, we've always looked to UDIS Live as a proving ground, uh, proving ground where we could test new offerings before bringing them to disc golfers everywhere. Uh, now, with more time to focus on our core product, the UDIS app, we look forward to de delivering more innovations to the everyday player. In the near in the near term, the UDIS Live website will continue to serve as a historical reference for fans. It will later become a place to search for scores and stats from all disc golf tournaments that run using the free UDIS events platform. UDIS is also teaming up with pro players Holland Hanley and Ellen Hansen for a series of women's clinics in various tour cities this season. Stay tuned for more details. The company co-founders also expressed their gratitude to the volunteers and tournament directors they've collaborated with, as well as the additional tour series organizers, video production teams and many industry partners who have contributed to a vibrant life scoring experience over the years. Um, okay. So 
obviously, uh, you know, very nice. Hey, we're happy. But you, you know that they're a little upset with the news of not continuing with the pro tour. But are they concerned at all? Because as far as I know, UDIS is going to be still massive for the general public as far as, you know, local tournaments goes or even just, hey, me and my buddies are playing. What's your UDIS? Let me, ju- let me throw it on there. Keeping scores, leaderboards. Is this, is this a big deal or not so much a big deal? Big deal for sure. I mean, like, for instance, as soon as I heard the news, Sarah told me, she's like, I can't believe I'm not going to be able to watch you. She was bummed. <laughs> she's oh. like, you know, she's like, that's, I know the app. I know how to work it. You know, mm-hmm. now she's got to learn a whole new thing. And I, I feel like if she, if she's one of those people, there's so many more like that, that are just, you know, going to be bummed. Uh, you know how it is. You get, you get a new anything and you have to learn the new stuff and go through. It's a learning experience that none of us really want to do. With that being said, I kind of saw it coming. I heard whispers of this in the season last year. I think we all did that. It was, it was a possibility. And then with the partnership with the PDGA, you knew they, they'd be silly not to develop something similar and then to just go through the PDGA. So I'm not surprised as far as them, as far as UDIS goes though. Yeah. I mean, that's a big time blow. It's gotta be, uh, that's where we, Every single person would go for world rankings for statistics for all that stuff. That's gone. I mean, I just I wonder though financially though will they take a big hit because you're still going to have now now they did just announce that they are increasing to like thirty dollars a year from I believe it might have been fifteen dollars a year was the membership to use UDisc so they are doubling in that but I still think that's pretty. I mean if you play disc golf. Uh, you know, a couple times a week with your buddies, I still think that's a decent deal to keep your stats, keep the leaderboards and all that. So I don't know financially if they're going to be hit that hard from it. I think most people are still going to use it. There's not a, there's not another product out there like it. Well, there's going to be, but do you think that, do you think they're going to make an interface for, for like the, uh, an an average amateur golfer going out to play by themselves? You think so? They have to. Okay. They have then to. they'll be a, a straight up competitor, basically. Hundred percent. I mean, if they don't, that's silly in my in my eyes. That'd be for that'd it be, to just I, be for yeah, the pro tour. Exactly. And and you know what it's going to do is, if I was the PDGA, I would I would make it as a a perk for being a PDGA member, and then mm. you're going to drive more PDGA membership. Uh, the whole thing. I, I that's what I would do. Yeah. So. We try to get Jeff Spring to come on. Silas, do you did we get big timed for yeah. the first time here? <laughs> yeah. So I, I reached out to, to Jeff and basically he said, Hey, I'm really busy, so go talk to my assistant. <laughs> and so uh yeah, we're working with uh coordinating with his assistant and everything, trying okay. to get that all all nailed out. But yeah, he's he's a very busy guy and uh Okay. Yeah. He he did have an interest in coming on. I just don't think this work week worked, but we are going to try to get Jeff on maybe leading into the season. So I guess that would lead to maybe next week, potentially, I don't know, the week before the first tournament. I feel like he was going to be even more busy, but I thought it was interesting in the, um, the email that he sent out to all the players, which I'm pretty sure we can share this information. Ooh. No, you don't think so? 
Uh, whenever there's a, I think. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm out, dude. <laughs> Hands off. I feel like if you're going to email everyone on tour, though, I don't, I, to me, it feels like you should be like, hey, don't share this. I know, like, the information that is that we have in our, like, Facebook group, I know that needs to be, like, behind closed doors. I think but, it all um, should be. You think everything should be? Ah, I don't know. You see this, you see these emails and stuff get leaked or get posted all the time, all over the place. All I'm going to say, I won't say anything word for word, but it, it sounds like it sounds, and I wanted to try to get someone on UDISC on too, to like, be like, Hey, what happened? I don't know if there was any sort of communication between the two. I don't know if the disc golf pro tour went to you disc and was like, Hey, we want to buy you guys out. So that way we, we own all the stats. Everything is run through us. Or if there was anything talking or if you just, just kind of got blindsided or they think, saw the writing on the wall that this was going to in, inevitably happen. Like I said, last year I heard whispers of this happening. So I think it's been in the works and I felt like somebody had mentioned to me like in the third person that it was not going well. And so they, they should expect a change. The situ- the, the relationship between UDISC mm-hmm. and the pro tour wasn't going well. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I, that's, I heard that from somebody else. That's not coming from my lips. That's what I yeah. heard. The thing that's going to be really interesting is what are they going to do with the volunteers? Cause this, this was actually getting harder and harder as years go by. Yeah. What, what are they going to do to get people to actually import? Because the PDJ live, that's just like the scoring system. Like you said, like your wife, Kelsey, a lot of fans, they check you disc live to see where people are at to see, okay, his second shot went OB. Yeah. What are they going to do to get people to volunteer to do that? Because it was very, very difficult for UDISC. And at the end of the day, it was kind of like a secondary scoring. It was almost, it almost felt like a bonus, if you will. And so some people just didn't have UDISC at all. You're not going to be able to do that with this new thing. You're going to need to have people do that. And definitely do not ask, no, they, they definitely can see you in the background. Oh, maybe not. Oh, I, Silas had it tight. You're lucky. Kelsey was just sneaking in behind. Oh, we um, saw. <laughs> no, I'm just oh, I, I don't think the people no, at home saw. I think me. you and Silas saw, but no, no one at home saw it. But uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how they work with that situation with the volunteers because it is it was not easy for a lot of people. No, I'm. <laughs> I'm just curious to see... There's got to be some, they can't just get rid of everything. You know, they got, there's got to be this, a similar app and maybe it progresses through the year or so, or mm. something like that, but it's gotta, you so, can't, I feel like that's a, taking away from the fans experience to take, okay, he's in the fairway. He's putting for birdie. Like those things are important. And I felt like that's what really gave us a, a jolt forward when we got those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in their um, looking at it right now, they do say somewhere in here about they're, they're kind of rolling this out at the first tournament, but it's not going to be done. Yeah. They're like okay. rolling out. I figured. Yeah. They're rolling out a partial product, which that to me feels like 
I'm leaning towards what you were saying about it wasn't all rainbows and butterflies over there because uh, I, I don't think this makes a lot of sense business-wise is you have a product that people are accustomed to, people like it, and then you're basically going and saying, okay, we're not doing that anymore. Like if you, if you're planning on not doing, using that product anymore, I feel like you should have something in the works to be ready to go for the first tournament where I don't know how long it's going to take for them to get to the level that we had uh, for UDisc live. Oh, that is a sick graphic Silas. Hey, let's let's everyone like this video real quick for Silas. That is, that is nice. Letting, letting the people know when Jeremy's coming on. I like that. All right. Um, but what I was saying is like, it, it feels like this situation was one of those of where it's whole, Oh crap. We need to, we need to get this figured out quickly because it doesn't make sense to me I'm, to unveil something and not be ready. Yeah, no, I agree. But I, I'm not surprised. Like I said, I, I felt like the PDJ needed to come up with something using that stuff and, and not have a third party. It just, you're just cutting, you're making things easier as a business by cutting out other companies. I mean, it makes sense to me. They're a partner with the PDGA. The PDGA should be providing that for the pro tour. Along yeah. With other stuff. Yeah. I mean, or you look or at the pro tour should just have it, you know, like a pro tour app. Yeah, no, that too. I mean, there's t totally different ways of doing it. All I know is as of last year, no one really got upset with UDisc and live scoring. For the no. majority of people, people really liked it. I liked it. Yeah, I, liked I, I liked it too. It was nice to kind of, you know, if you did want to go and look at stats or you want to go and look at, I mean, obviously the stats, world rankings, all that stuff doesn't necessarily have to go away. I don't, I mean, I, I think the statistics part's going to be tough for them because it does sound like the pro tour is like not going to allow them to have right. the stats or be there to import the stats, but they still should be able to do the world rankings. They should still be able to do those things. Um, but all I'm saying is this, this is going to be putting a lot of pressure on the PDGA and on the disc golf pro tour, because you had something that the people liked the players, liked, the fans liked, and now you're taking it away and saying, we're doing it this way. And if it's a, if it's a worse product, it's, it's going to cause a lot of problems. People, yeah. people are going to get very, very upset is, is what I'm saying. I'm still upset that we don't have paper scorecards as our official scorecard. I think we might be doing something. If I heard correctly, I think we might be doing something where everyone's taking everyone's score. Yeah. On a phone where again, I don't know why we're doing that. <laughs> I've I've, I can't stress this enough. There's four people just have you just have each person take their score and one other person's score. Easy peasy. And that's it. You just have to keep track of your score and one other person and no one else's. And then at the end, you figure it out. I, I, I don't see how that is it, trying to, I mean, it's, we are, <laughs> I already hate the idea of us being on a T-pad and someone like standing there and be like, all right, Yuli, what did you get? I mean, it's, that's just so Bush league to me. And now you're going to have four people all with their phones out standing in a little huddle being like, all right, would you, you got a three. Okay. It's going to look, it's someone, please take a photo of that. The first tournament that you go to 
and all of us are huddled around on a tee pad with our phones out, keeping our doing our scores. Someone please take a photo and tweet that to me because I just want to see, does that look as ridiculous as I'm thinking it's going to look in my head? Because the answer the is, is, is yes. They did get rid of the rule of if somebody else gets your score wrong, you don't get stroked. You, you have, you're in control of your own score or something like that. So where I like, like that, yep. I like that. Finally, you're, you, you, you get done and somebody else messes up and you're like, well, I didn't mess up and you get two stroke penalty. Now it's on you. That's good. Well, yeah. I mean, they're going to have a lot more of that too, because uh-huh. now we're not just, we're not just putting in one score for everyone. We're now putting four scores in. So they're quadrupling how many scores have- are, are being, I have admitted. used it the last few weekends because I played a couple C tiers here locally, and mm-hmm. it is nice because if you're keeping everybody's score and there's a conflict, it pops up right away. Like it just says conflict. It happens at the, okay at the last few tournaments. It happens every third hole conflict. It's so annoying. Every third hole. Hey, what? Oh, you, uh, 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 oh, who, who did it? There's four I, guys. You got to track it down. And then it says, oh yeah, yeah. Brian's got it wrong. And you're like, Hey, this is like, dude, <laughs> every, every three to four holes, sometimes every hole. If, if you, I, it. this is a pot. I, what you just said, there is a positive. And the positive is if you think there is a lot of cheating going on, a lot of uh, pencil whipping going on in disc golf, this will this will correct it because i've yeah. always said if there's one person doing you disc scoring it's really easy for that person to say all right would everyone get on this hole five five i got a six and you got a four okay great and then a couple holes later they go in and they change their their six to a five or their five to a four and no one else sees that and then you get to the end of the round and then if there is someone else taking scores, which normally there is, right? There's one person yeah. and another person. If there is someone else taking a score, then you're like, oh, yeah, I got a five there. You remember? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. And they just change it and they move on. So also, by the way, if my internet is trash, I apologize. I did not bring my ethernet cable with me. So I am running off a of Wi-Fi. So apologies. Yeah, it's if good I- to me. Apologies if I am not crystal clear. All right. Anything else with the UDISC Disc Golf Pro Tour? I guess we can put a bow on that until maybe someone from UDISC wants to come on or someone, you know, if we get Jeff Spring on next week. Anything else for that, Yuli? Good to go. Okay. We have Jeremy in the wings. All right. We'll bring him on. Jeremy Rusco, the new owner of the formerly known Emporia Country Club. Jeremy, thank you so much for taking the time to join us tonight. Brody Yuli, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. Of course. I have to say this, uh, the news of this breaking definitely caught my eye. I have seen, you know, pros going out and buying land or taking part in like making their own home course somewhere here. But I've, I, I haven't seen someone buy a, an actual country club before. And <laughs> And that, that's a big, I mean, that's a big, big purchase with a lot of land, a lot of maintenance and everything. So I have tons of questions, but I guess my first one is like, how did this come about? Like, what was the, uh, the, the beginning starting of this? Uh, well, a little over a year ago, um, not more than that, but the, the country club has, um, as a lot of people are probably aware, the country club model is uh, 
doesn't really work all that well in, in smaller, you know, rural communities like Emporia, 25,000, a little bit larger than that. Um, the financials, you know, stability of a country club just doesn't doesn't seem to make sense. And so uh, last year, the a little over a year ago, the club actually went up for sale. Um, I actually, there was only two interested parties at the time and uh, the old shareholders and the old money, I guess you could say, um, you know, they had their group and then it was, it, it was me and the, I guess you could say the old money wanted to stick with the old money. And, um, so you tried to, you try to buy it a couple years ago Correct. back in 2022. Yep. Okay. Well, a, a year ago, um, the end of 2022. Yep. Okay. And, uh, and that was okay. I had a lot going on with the, you know, the house of discs, um, you know, dynamic discs, merger acquisition and, uh, the timing just wasn't right. So it was certainly, um, okay with that. And I knew that they were going to, or at least they said they were going to put some more effort into, you know, the, the facility and the, and the disc golf course and the golf course. And a year later, uh, <laughs> here we are. And, um, I'm, uh, I'm excited about, you know, what we've been able to accomplish there and where we're, uh, where we're going with things. So, um, they, they approached me in October about, um, you know, that the property was likely, not likely it was going to go up for sale. Um, they wanted to know if I was interested in purchasing, uh, it, I actually kind of at the time had said, you know what, I, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm not sure the timing is right for me just yet. And, um, they approached me again a little bit later and, then, you know, and of course, the intention is to keep things in Emporia because if you have somebody from outside Emporia that acquires the property, it's probably not going to remain a disc golf course, not going to remain a, a traditional golf course and probably going to become a housing housing development. And so um, anyway, at one point they said, hey, if you don't put an offer in by, you know, the end of the week, just want you to know that it is going to go to the to the market and uh it's likely that it's going to sell to somebody outside of Emporia. And so I ended up putting an offer in and here we are today. So did you get a better deal than your previous offer back in 2022? <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> you would think that, uh, that would be the case. Um, unfortunately it was not the case. Um, the pickleball courts, little... they're like, Hey, we got pickleball courts. Now this is, we got it. We got upcharge for this now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm a little, yeah, a little disappointed in the way that, uh, yeah, the, uh, the short term turnaround, um, that, uh, they were able to make a pretty substantial, you know, profit on, but, um, it's, you know, everything happens for a reason and, um, it's, uh, here we are. So, so what's your plan moving forward? Do you, because obviously you, do you, do you swing the sticks or do you plan on like keep, keeping that growing and, and uh, keeping it a traditional golf course? Or do you want to make it a full-time disc golf destination course? Or like, what are your plans kind of moving forward with that? Where do you want it to go, Yuli? You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> me? That's oh, why you man. came on here is to get yeah. our ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like you might be looking for some investors, Brody. <laughs> <laughs> I want disc golf, man. You want disc golf? Yeah, I want disc golf. Cut it in half. Make a really nice country club golf course. The other half, really nice disc golf course. How about that? 
<clears throat> well, it's definitely not remaining a you know a members-only country club facility. The emphasis is going to be uh, more on disc golf. Obviously, 113 years ago, when the country club was established and the course was made, it was solely focused on you know traditional ball golf. And when we uh, you know had our first disc golf tournament out there in 2012, um, you know we were working around. The, the golf course and, you know, and, and ultimately even today, we still, you know, yeah. coexist with the golf course. We, we follow the, you know, the way that the course flows for traditional golf. And I think it's a really pretty, pretty sound course in the way that the two can coexist together. All that being said, um, you know, disc golf has still been a much more secondary focus there at the, at the at the facility or not really much of a focus at all until it's you know more tournament time and uh, absolutely going to put more emphasis and focus on disc golf i think there's uh, a lot to a lot to accomplish there and certainly when the disc golf pro tour comes to town when you guys come to town you know it's a, it's a big deal for emporia it's a big deal for dynamic discs it's a big deal for house of discs and i absolutely look forward to making sure that we continue to make that course better every year. I think we have over the last, you know, decade and every year, we certainly make improvements. We, we take the feedback that, that you guys provide. We, we make changes to the course. And uh, I know there's some criticism about the way the course is, but um, when you really try to think about the way that everything comes together uh, in terms of spectating, in terms of the player experience, in terms of the media, you know, there's a lot that goes into um, having a successful disc golf event at the highest level. And I think that the, the current property there, the current facility, while it's not perfect, it's it's one of the better facilities that's, that's out there um, on the disc golf pro tour, uh, PDGA major swing today. Is this going to be the first time we actually see a disc golf basket in the middle of a traditional golf green. <laughs> this is going to be the first time that we see that. I've, I've, I've always wanted to just take a spike hyzer right into the green on purpose. <laughs> you know, uh, so I was actually thinking about that. Like, you know, what if there was, what if we did it that way? And if you did a spike hyzer, into the green and you, you know, you, you tombstoned it, whatever that, you know, however you want to say it, is that a one stroke penalty? Um, right now it is right now it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you definitely by owning it and being, cause I've always had the idea or the notion of this analogy of where disc golfers at golf courses, we kind of, we kind of feel like we're the, um, the scooter kids at, at a skate park yeah. of where technically, yes, the sign does say we're allowed to be there, but the majority of people there are on skateboards and they definitely shun or don't like the scooter kids. And I've, I've felt that way at um, Goat Hill out in California. I feel that way out here in Las Vegas. And I certainly felt that way also at the Emporia Country Club or what was the Emporia Country Club of where, yeah, we'll take your money and yeah, you can play disc golf here, but you are definitely, you know, peasants compared to the golfers. And even from the golfers there, it's, it's a, it's a headbutting thing. So how are you going to tackle that? If you are going to try to keep it um, a golf course and a disc golf course, how are you going to kind of tackle where these two groups don't really like each other. 
Well, thankfully in Emporia, disc golf and disc golfers, even though, you know, maybe had some mixed, you know, feelings and emotions in the past, um, the two, you know, disc golf was obviously very well um, received in Emporia and very, you know, I'd, I'd say the community opens, uh, welcomes disc golfers with, with open arms and is excited to have the disc golf community um, you know, the disc golf circus come to Emporia for the week. Uh, I, I would say it's pretty, pretty, you know, basic in the sense that um, I'm pretty optimistic that under the new ownership, there's going to be more passionate disc golfers that are amongst the staff at the facility um, at what is now being called Champions Landing, which maybe we can talk about here in a little yeah. bit. But, um, you know, I certainly expect that the people who are maintaining the course are, I have a pretty good feeling that there's going to be some passionate disc golfers that are amongst that crew. The staff that's inside at the restaurant bar and grill is probably going to be a stronger mix of disc golfers. Um, and just the dynamics in itself at the, you know, at the property is, is certainly going to change where it's been, it really has been more of a members only country club type of a vibe. Um, every year the membership has been going down and, um, Ultimately, that doesn't work anymore, and it is going to be more more inviting. Uh, announcing tomorrow that, um, and it's been pay to play. It's the only course in Emporia that is pay to play, uh, and, and it's been a pretty. I think they raised the rate to twenty five dollars a round in Emporia. That's quite a bit of money, and um, uh, all that being said, I would say that it's it's absolutely worth that. But I'm going to bring those rates down to a more, um, we'll say, a reasonable disc golf rate. Uh, going to have some free disc golf nights for the month of February. Disc golf is going to be free out at uh, out at the uh, on, on on the course, and there's going to be more uh, league nights, more events, more things to engage with the disc golf community, and certainly make sure that they're welcome uh, inside and outside the facility. Are you going to make the country club a public uh, traditional golf course? I uh, don't have the crystal clear plan, but ultimately, yes, it's uh, nice. um, that's, you know, there's with the membership going away um, and there's just so many, you know, it's a great location. There's a lot of people that are around the area and um, to get more activity to make it more financially sustainable. I think we need to be more inviting and more welcoming to the entire community. So with that, with that being said, do you plan on, um, even doing renovations for uh, traditional golf as well? Or do you um, plan on just kind of keeping it the same? Or There's uh, – you guys probably don't have enough time to uh, talk about everything with, uh, with what's, in, what's you know, potentially going to happen, but there is some substantial um, state of Kansas um, tourism and entertainment uh, – Grant money, um, bond okay, money nice. that can be can be awarded to you know something that's going to uh, be a tourism and entertainment uh, draw for you know our our area and obviously disc golf is certainly a tourism and entertainment draw. We got this you know data already about how you know many people come in not just for the for the one or two tournaments of the year but for year round. I mean almost on the outside of the winter every day there's people that are coming to Emporia playing the disc golf courses, touring the dynamic discs, you know, facilities, going to the retail store, the pro shop, um, shopping, staying in hotels, eating in the restaurants, enjoying the, you know, the disc golf experience and everything that Emporia has to offer. And so uh, there's more than that um, to, 
to go to the, uh, you know, to the property. I absolutely want to add an indoor pickleball facility. Um, we've got the six outdoor pickleball courts that are already there and uh, indoor pickleball facility as well as, you know, multi-sports complex, I think would absolutely um, help things out. We've got a music festival in town that um, is, is, is a growing music festival. And I expect that that's going to um, start to migrate from downtown Emporia to uh, the facility there. And Hopefully, in the long run, um, maybe not really the long run, I'll find out, I actually go to um, Topeka to uh, uh, meet with the Department of Commerce um, on Thursday, I guess, about, uh, about this. And I'm very optimistic that uh, we are going to be a prime candidate and approved for this state funding to really make a transformational change and um, change the whole entire property. Wow. Because I think the biggest issue that the people that have, you know, I guess that people that just don't like watching disc golf on golf courses, I think the biggest issue is literally just the look of it. Because as a player playing it, I actually prefer playing on those type of courses because you can really adjust how the OB lines work. You can adjust a lot. I think it's better for the fans too because, I mean, worlds this year at new london i love the course it's an incredible course very it's a very wooded awesome course there's only going to be a couple people being able to watch it that's it you're not going to be able to have thousands of people watching you throw the tee shot on hole one so i think what yuli was trying to say too with the court mate the course maintenance is is there going to be something like on hole one are we going to see the fairway shaped and the grass length change for disc golf? So now when I look at it, I'm like, this is a sick looking disc golf hole where the OB grass is higher. The fairway is lower and it's, it's appealing to the eye and it looks good versus we're playing where it's like the road over here is OB the sidewalk, uh, the, the cart path over here is OB, but then there's different lengths of grass, but that's still in bounds. Like, are we going to be able to see a kind of a transformation in the grass length where bunkers are placed, where greens are going to be, that's going to suit disc golf more than golf? Uh, yeah, I absolutely think so. And, you know, now that we're going to have more freedom at the, you know, at the property, uh, certainly look forward to the feedback that we get. Part of that's going to be implemented this year and just, you know, a couple months, but um, I'd love for, you know, Brody, since you like playing on golf courses, and I appreciate that, by the way, and I actually, I really do think in terms of the growth of the sport, having, a you know, these high-level events played on golf or a facility that's set up specifically for disc golf is really important to accommodate, you know, I think at Worlds in 2022, when we hosted the Professional World Championships, I think we had a little over 3,000 spectators. That's not easy to, you know, facilitate at a lot of the disc golf courses um, that are out there. And I think having a good spectating base is is a pretty important component to the growth of the sport, the excitement of what's going on. And, and you know, it's 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 really um, just something that uh, you, you, you can't get in those tight wooded courses, even though they're fun to play, even though it, it brings out a different skill set and maybe caters to different players that don't throw as you know, the, the max distance, um, it, uh, yeah, I think, I think the, the golf course is, is really important. And I think that over time there will be less criticism to, um, to how that is being done. Yeah. 
Okay, sweet. And any, and, any, and, any, and, oh, go uh, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, um, I, I really do, you know, thinking about things now looking forward where, you know, it doesn't have to be just, you know, the golf course is the golf course and you can't really change the golf course. I really do look forward to seeing, you know, the different things that we can do to um, your point of having taller grass in certain areas, have different, um, you know, obstacles, variables, out of bounds, lines, out of bounds lines, those sorts of things are going to be, I think, pretty important to um, the course continuing to evolve, to keep up with the growing demands of, um, you know, the highest level players like you guys. Yeah. And I'm sure it gives you so much more land to, um, design better holes i mean different shots I, f I feel like when you have uh when you have to navigate the golf course in such a way to make sure that everything flows together having the freedom of owning the property and being like okay this weekend we're putting in these holes there's no golf and you're able to actually use the land for disc golf i can't imagine all the ideas especially having a great course designer like eric over there I can't imagine his his wheels turning right now and getting excited to, you know, really get the whole potential of the entire property. He was actually out there today. Um, and, you know, I know that his mind, and we talked about it, it's in a different state of mind now. You know, it's not just working within a, a smaller, you know, uh, set of restraints. He's got way more freedom or ultimate freedom in, in most regards. So, yeah, I look forward to seeing the changes that we're able to make. You mentioned the new name, and I want to touch on this a little bit. Champions Landing. Uh, can you, you know, expand a little bit on where where this name came from, why why it came about? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, it was actually the, uh, the the general manager that's been at the at the facility for eighteen. Yeah, a couple, you know, the the country club name and they, and when the new ownership purchased it, they changed it to Emporia community club and club just doesn't work in Emporia. It makes people not feel welcome because you have to be part of the club to, you know, get inside the, get inside the gates, inside the facility, use the, use the golf course, use the disc golf course. And that's, that's not where, you know, we're, we're going to, that's just not where that's going to be at. And so, the uh, the general manager Chris Herrig over there he had a couple name suggestions Champions Landing was one of them I was like wow that's actually pretty cool and when I thought about it we crown we've crowned uh, maybe should put, pull out I mean we've crowned a lot of PDGA Junior World Champions Amateur World Champions Masters World Champions Professional World Champions this year we're hosting the Masters World Championship next year we're hosting the Junior World Championship there's been you know, 113 years of, uh, you know, city golf champions crowned at the, um, at the property. And, uh, I think I just thought that name was very fitting. And as we continue to have more world championships in Emporia for disc golf, I think champions landing is a really uh, fitting name for the property. And I was actually kind of surprised that, uh, there's not another golf course that I found that was named champions landing or something. Yeah. I played, like I played at a lot of courses with champions in it. I've played a lot of courses with landing, but I don't think I've ever played a no. champions landing course. I love, I love the name. Yeah. It's a cool, it's a cool thing. Um, all right. So Appreciate first, that. first want to say, you know, I think for, uh, for disc golf to continue to grow, I think people have to take risk because obviously this is a massive risk. Take, uh, you know, taking on this massive project here. 
things like this have to happen to kind of set the future or the path of where maybe disc golf is going to go in 10, 20, 15 years from now. But I do want to push back just a little bit because in the uh, Emporia Gazette, uh, you had the quote saying champions landing was solidify Emporia as the disc golf capital of the world and disc golf destination for decades to come. When you go to Emporia, you definitely feel like, holy cow, like disc golf is a lot of a bigger deal here than in other states in the United in other cities yeah. in the United States. But one thing that is a, a little bit of a concern to me is the tournament. I can't remember what year it was, but it might even been last year. One of the tournaments there, you guys decided not to hold the AM tournament on the same weekend as the professional tournament and the attendance was a massive dip for like, just for mm. me seeing the crowds and stuff, uh, it was and people kind of had photos of like, Hey, this is what it looked like last year, final round lead card. This is what it looks like this year. So I guess for the people, the naysayers or whatever out there saying like, no, Emporia is never going to be a destination spot. No one's going to be driving into Emporia. No one's going to fly into Emporia. What are you going to do differently at Champions Landing? Because we've seen it not really work at Eagles Crossing, right? Eagles Crossing, everyone's talking about it. This course is the course of the future. I haven't heard anyone talk about it. I haven't heard anyone go out there and play it. And it's an incredible course. It's just in the middle of nowhere. So what's going to set Champions Landing apart from all the other courses that are going to basically have people flock into play to watch the tournaments and all that? You got enough time for this answer? Yeah. Hey, the <laughs> chat The chat loves this. Trust me, the chat loves this. Everyone, when, when no one is chatting, when no one is saying anything, that's when I know everyone's listening. So, yeah, we, everyone, everyone's dialed in to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Uh, hey, I appreciate the question. And I do know there's some, you know, certain criticism around uh, Emporia being a, a great disc golf location or a great disc golf destination. And I would say that we are uh, not in the middle of nowhere. You know, we're not a metropolitan area, but um, where we are um, not that, you know, we're an hour 15 from the Wichita airport, an hour, a little over an hour and a half from the Kansas City airport, center of the country, easy to get to people passing by all the time from the two interstates that are uh, that are, you know, they go right through Emporia. And I think the, uh, well, UDISC named Emporia the number one small town disc golf, small town for disc golf, um, you know, in the United States or in the world a couple of years ago. And that was not just like they just, you know, threw the dart at the dartboard and, and picked Emporia. That was based on, uh, you know, user generated data from the feedback from the, you know, I don't know all the specifics around that, but, uh, you know, when you come to Emporia as a disc golfer, you feel welcome. Most people at restaurants, most people in, you know, in, in the stores, when they see somebody wearing something disc golf, they talk to them, you know, they talk to the, it's, to the person. It's the that's only there. place they I've ask, ever gotten a discount or, uh, at, for food, <laughs> Planet, shout out to Planet Subs. I think they give like 10% off for disc golfers that, I mean, that, that does make you feel like, Oh wow. Okay. This is kind of cool. Uh, and that's the only place that's ever mm -hmm. happened to me. Yeah. Um, we got disc golf baskets at almost every, every school, the senior citizen, you know, centers, um, fraternities, sororities, they're, local restaurants, local businesses, hotels, disc golf baskets are, are everywhere in Emporia. 
Um, I think the number of courses that we have in such a, you know, literally like a five minute proximity or 10 minute proximity from um, the center of town is, is pretty incredible. And while they're, you know, not the number one or number two or, you know, top 10 courses on most people's lists, there's a lot of really quality courses in such a, such a small area. You get to come to the Dynamic Discs Pro Shop. You get to come to the Dynamic Discs Headquarters building. You get a tour of the facility. You get to stamp a disc. You get to see the museum. Um, now inside of House of Discs, there's even more brands. Uh, underneath of the umbrella, so even more of an experience when you come to Emporia. I'm hopeful that we'll have manufacturing in Emporia at some point. Um, how much more time do I have to keep talking on this, Brody? You're no, you're good. Yeah, no, I think <laughs> I, I think uh, you know when it goes to like destinations, right? Coming from a golfer, back when I wasn't nearly as busy as I am now. I would go on these golf trips with my boys every year. And I mean, when, when it, when it came season to start trying to figure out where we were going to go, I mean, it was flooded with ideas of like Northwest Florida, Northeast, let's go to Hawaii. Let's go international. Let's go to, I, it was flooded with all sorts of ideas. The only one that really ever like pops up that I hear people talk about a lot is Rock Hill USCGC, which that course is not, the same course as when yeah. we play it and then Maple Hill, right? Like those are the two courses that I hear when, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm doing a guy's trip. We're going to go up, play some disc golf. I guess like what is, what is going to make Emporia? What is going to make champions landing in that conversation of like, Oh, this is where we're going next summer. We're going to go out and play uh, champions landing. Well, maybe the, I mean, there people are coming all the time to Emporia. The amount of tours that we give at, you know, the Dynamic Disc headquarters building is absolutely incredible. I can't believe the number of people that come almost every day outside of, outside of the winter that come to Emporia. And so um, I think it's just the fact that, you know, those, what you're hearing about those, uh, Maple Hill, those, those Rock Hill, those destination places, uh, people are, um, it's maybe easier to talk about on social media and gets maybe in the newsfeed a little bit, little bit more, but, um, the, the actual number of people that come to Emporia, um, for disc golf and to enjoy, you know, everything that we have in Emporia is it's, it's really a pretty incredible number looking at the UDISC reports on how many people come from, uh, the different States. How, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool to see. Yeah. And, yeah, I have a little pushback with that, Brody, because I've I've definitely heard of so many people saying we're making a trip to Emporia to go play all those different courses with without a doubt. But I it might be but, because I'm yeah. I'm from Texas and it's a lot closer and they want to go <laughs> they want to fly somewhere and make it more of a trip than like a road trip. That might be it. Um, so I, I but, could, I could definitely stand corrected on, on that statement for sure. I would say that it's definitely a, I would say a top five destination for especially amateurs to go somewhere, um, and play there. But I do want to go back to the question that you had Brody of, um, which I, I feel like is a great question of 
So we did see a, a downward um, drop at the last tournament as far as spectators hmm. this year coming up. Um, do you guys have plans to, to run more AM tournaments or to be a, a little bit more inviting to grab those people to come in? Because I feel like that's definitely an issue that we all, that we all um, were sad about too, because we love playing in front of those big crowds. Right. Yeah. And Brody, I appreciate it. I, I apologize for not answering that earlier. And you oh, no, you're good. I'm glad that you brought that back up because um, I was a little bit worried about that as well last year. Obviously we, we saw what we saw. The, the spectator base was, was not there like we uh, had hoped. And we are absolutely combining the disc golf pro tour dynamic disc open with the uh, amateur dynamic disc open this year as well to make sure that we bring in more amateur players. It's going to be more of that festival-like atmosphere that people have been familiar with, with, you know, the old glass blown open days, um, as well as when we had the dynamic discs open, be AM and pro. Um, we are focusing on Emporia only for, for this year um, to make sure that everybody is rock solid right here in Emporia. The amateurs are going to play on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Pros are going to play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so that, you know, certainly expect that 80, 90% of the AMs will stick around to spectate um, on that final championship Sunday out at the, out at champions landing um, with some of the improvements that out there. And um, yeah, I'm, you know, I think it's an important piece to have the amateurs um, as a part of the event. I would love to have like every couple of years, maybe every five years, we kind of bring back the, the big show of sorts where, you know, kind of the glass blown open um, when we had 1,500, 1,600 competitors in the heyday of, of that. But um, it's it's a lot to the, the part of it is it's so challenging as an organization to run a Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite Series event or a PDGA major, you know, every year, the, the requirements to make that be what it needs to be to, to put on, the um, you know, such a high quality event really pulls a lot of resources, a lot of staff, um, a lot of volunteers. And when you have, you know, multiple other courses that are, you're trying to put on a good amateur experience, it's, it's hard to do, um, but we're going to do it this year. And we can't wait to see everybody in Emporia for the dynamic is open. Yeah. Well, I will be there. I'll be very excited to kind of see what changes uh, you guys are making in the next couple months. I know it's going to be very busy, for sure. And I'm, I'm a hundred percent on board too. I know there are some pros that push back with like, why are there AMs out here? There was some pushback when we did, uh, out at OTB open now, sorry, Portland open. They shut down one of the courses and the pros could only practice one of the courses while the other course was available for purchase for amateurs to come out and play, which helped increase costs, or I guess reduce the cost from the disc golf pro tour of renting out all the golf courses out there. I think right now with where disc golf is, like, I think that's essential. I think you have to marry these things together. And the idea of like, oh, I'm just going to run a disc golf course uh, tournament by myself and nothing else. I think that only works in certain communities, in certain spots right now. And until you kind of build it up to where you have 3,000, 4,000 people that will show up 
to your tournament and not have to play disc golf or have any skin in the game, uh, I think you have to do it this way. Cause I know for a fact, people will travel from Texas to Kansas to play in the tournament and then watch the tournament on yeah. Sunday. And, and a lot of them too come out after the rounds, they'll walk 36 holes. They'll play yeah. in the morning and then come out and watch walk another 18. So, um, and I know going off of what Yuli said, you know, this, this works for us too. Like we like playing in front of fans as well. And, uh, that's what we want to see. So Yuli, did you have something else? No, that was it. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I know you're a busy person. We really do appreciate you taking the time of coming on. We wish you all the best. And uh, I look forward to playing my first round at Champions Landing soon. So thank you so much. You guys much. better have at least one hole where we can throw spike geysers <laughs> into that green. I'll bring a big divot, a big divot uh, fixer. <laughs> I mean, well, what about this? What about this? What about on Monday? We do the ball golf disc golf challenge. And spike hyzers are allowed Ooh. on one hole. All right, I'm down. Yes, I'm Into in. The green. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> uh, and, and, and think about this. So, whole disc golf hole one. What if you did, we'll say, traditional golf, ball golf off the tee, mm -hmm. and then you threw a disc uh, from there, spike hyzer onto the green like you want, and then you putt from your divot. I mean, we'll see you guys next time. All right. <laughs> all right. I'm all, in. all I'll say is any of those houses on the right side of that street, if we, if we have a bunch of people hitting tee shots off there, beware. The slice is coming to play. So, all right. Thanks so much, Jeremy, Thanks, for coming on. Good luck appreciate on Thursday, it. too, uh, with your meeting up there as well. And we appreciate yeah. it. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Thanks, guys. All right. Jeremy Rusco, the new owner of, mm, I, I almost said uh marsh landing which is the course that i played as a kid <laughs> the new owner of champions landing shout out to ponte Vedra beach florida anyone that's played marsh landing super sick course you lose a lot of golf balls hence the name marsh but uh pretty cool pretty cool i was waiting for him to talk about some of the other stuff of like i didn't want to bring it up but like he talked about uh these were like the, the things that were going to be happening. Golf, disc golf, pickleball, cornhole, basketball, volleyball, craft beer, arts and music. So I think the idea is like, hey, let's build something that the whole community can enjoy. Yeah. So it's almost like a massive park. Yep. And then we're also going to have disc golf and golf going on as well, which, you know, hopefully it works out. I mean, it's a, it's a, I, I it's like really the course. A, yeah, it's I like really the course. a brilliant idea to be able to take away the country club effect, especially in a small town, mm -hmm. have all those different things and just constantly having events and things for people to do in the middle of Emporia where you can get outside and do all those things and you feel welcome. I mean, it's kind of brilliant. It really is. Yeah. Say what you want about the course. I think the course has a handful of some of the best holes that we play all year. I agree. No, I agree. And, and you couple you couple that with the uh, the group that is starting to form on hole sixteen. It's that's an electric hole of itself. So um, definitely don't want to see it going anywhere. And maybe this is like a step in the right direction of where we're not going over and doing Jones Park nonsense, and then coming back and playing. Yeah, you know, get get. They couldn't figure that out. They've tried it multiple different ways. <laughs> I don't I don't think it's ever going to work over there. No. So. We, we shall see. All right. The Disc Golf Pro Tour has announced the new end of the season awards and qualifications. 
People might not care about this right now, but obviously they've had to kind of tinker with these because we had a, I think she was a five-time world champion when she ended up winning Juliana Corver, when she yeah. ended up winning rookie of the year, mm -hmm. five-time world champion rookie of the year. So they've definitely have had to tinker with these qualifications and rules announced. There is a link for that. If you want to go and read all of it on the disc golf pro tour, um, a player's rookie season, which is the big one, rookie year in quotes, is defined as the season in which they meet any of the following criteria. Begin the season as a disc, disc golf pro tour card holder for the first time or play six or more disc golf pro tour world standing points events in a single season or complete their 10th disc golf pro tour world standings points events or qualifies the disc golf pro tour championship. So just a kind of another um, wrinkle of like what actually qualifies sure. you as a rookie. Uh, we have the Ken Climo player of the year year and the Elaine King player of the year. These are going to be calculated from the following variables. 33% will be media vote. 33% will be the disc golf pro tour world rankings. And then 33% will be tour card tour card holder votes. So we can get all back into the hey, Chris and the just won another 17 tournaments and she didn't get a unanimous vote. Who didn't vote for Chris and the tar? Um, <laughs> we can get to that. Okay. You've got the disc golf rookie of the year award, disc golf pro tour, first card, all stars. Then you've got the second and third card, all stars comeback player of the year. These are all pretty much like this one comeback player of the year. No votes from the players. This is going to be 50% media, 50% fans. So some of these will be different from one to the other. Um, you go to most improved, that goes back to that 33, 33, 33. So it just, I guess, depends. You've got the Disc Golf Pro Tour Community Champion Award. So this seems like a new one. Any competitor who has played in at least one Disc Golf Pro Tour event or PDGA Pro Major in the past three years is eligible for nomination. Um doesn't really tell you what this is. Is this just someone that like, I mean, is this just going to go to Avery Jenkins? Is that what this award is? I, th I think it might just go to somebody who's donating their time when they go to these events, like maybe running clinics and getting involved. Oh, in you think it's more I bet, I bet. disc golf pro yeah. tour versus just disc golf. Yep. Okay. I could see that. So you, you got, uh, you know, someone from maybe a edge disc golf or something like that. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, if you want more information on that, that is going to be all on the disc golf pro tour, um, site. I did not bring this up with Jeremy, but D dynamic disc is one of the companies that falls into this bucket of, Hey, we see something out there that we like, we're going to take that and use it in disc golf and hopefully no one notices, um, by that, I mean, if you've ever driven by Emporia country or Emporia, Kansas, there is a store or a building or a business. There's, there's a, there's a building that literally has the same exact font and it literally looks like dynamic discs. And we've seen this in other companies too. I'm sure people in the chat can list a whole bunch of other stuff that they've seen from players we've seen players use uh other people's likeness and sell it we've seen uh companies rip stuff off from other sports other things and use it for themselves um heck 
tour life. When we initially made it, it was going to be the disc golf hour, which I basically ripped off their logo, which is the MMA hour with Ariel Hawani. I basically ripped off their logo to make the disc golf hour. Uh, Hunter ended up making it. And I was like, Hey, use this, but like make it a little bit different. And like the font was just like ever so slightly off. And we got called out by Ariel and his team. <laughs> so, I mean, it happens. Everyone has done it. But my question is, should disc golf companies, at what point should they start being concerned of, hey, we're getting kind of bigger now to where now someone might actually look at us and say, no, 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 you can't do that. And the first one here, Silas, you can throw it on, the Kratos. So this is a post that Ledgestone made in, in their pre-order email. And I, I think this guy is from God of War. I, I've never played this game, but I believe this character is from God of War. I don't know if his name is Kratos, but they're essentially using an image that is definitely copyrighted by, and, and video games is also, that's not someone that you want to try to, you know, Disney or any of these companies, Nintendo, they will come after you. So is this is this something that companies should be concerned with? I don't know. I'm not a company. <laughs> I feel like well, I feel well, like yeah. I feel I feel like it. Yeah, I mean, I've had people steal my, steal my stuff, my logo before, and put it on things. I'm I'm usually I'm usually flattered, but it can't as long as they're just hey, can I use your logo? I'm going to stamp it on my disc, or I'm going to dye your logo on my disc, and I'm going to keep it, or whatever. I'm I'm good with it. I don't. Well, they're not selling it, so that's different. I don't want them selling it really necessarily. But if they do it from themselves, that's more of like a a compliment. Um, But yeah, I don't don't think you're supposed to steal stuff. I was just saying, let's let's say, like you know, let's say the the Yuli grow your your brand, your company gets to where you have thirty employees underneath you, and someone's out there making Yulaberry socks. Yeah, you should your be logo on you it. should be able to stop you're, that. I mean, I've had in my life I've had like a jump man on my disc before, um mm-hmm. which is definitely copyright infringement for sure without a doubt, but that's like cool. You know what I mean? I have this one right here. Let's see here. This is for sure copyright. But I wonder like if you're not like, selling it, that's copyright. If, but if you're not selling it, you know what I mean? And I feel like people do that a lot. Um, it, yeah. I, I guess it'd be like mass, mass sales. Like if you, if your whole company is well, like, I mean, this is a mass email sent out to all their email, uh, sent out to their email chain, yeah. uh, to all the people that have joined. And it's literally a, a marketing thing that they're using this. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, someone is going to be, someone's going to set the exam or someone is going to be made an example of in disc golf. And it's going to, yeah, it's going to suck. It's going to suck yeah. when it happens. Cause they're going to, they're going to get hit and they're going to get hit hard. And so, uh, yeah, when I saw this, I was just like, ah, man, maybe, mm. it, you know, when you're, when you're a small company, you can probably get by with doing it. Right. But, uh, I don't know, man. I don't, it, it's scary I mean, to me. That I- image to, sell this sell a disc but they're not correct they're not selling that image yeah but i can't i can't have michael jordan in my advertisement to say go buy it with a with a chat bubble coming out saying and and we photoshop tour life merch on him saying tour life merch is the best don't buy grip lock merch buy tour life merch we we can't make that graphic and post it out to people 
we're not selling Michael Jordan. We're not selling anything, but we can't use Michael Jordan to sell our merch. No, you just, you just <laughs> tried to though. You just tried to verbally. Well, I can verbally, I, <laughs> I think I can verbally say something. I don't know. Maybe they can come after me. Maybe this is where we need disc golf law to set us straight. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting are you one. St- are you, do you, is your logo copyrighted? Yeah. Trademarked. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yes. Yeah, so I, yeah. If someone puts a dark horse logo on something, how, I wonder how many people's it. are. I have mine right up there. Mm-hmm. Thank you to disc golf law who, who did it. You can't see it, but it's a, right above there. He, he put it, framed it and gave it to me, which was really nice, nice of him. Nice. But I bet yeah. you there's not a lot of people with that. Where I, I see, I still think there is some press. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, this is definitely, maybe we should have disc golf law come on and talk to us. Cause this is, this is way outside my pay grade, but I think there is still some like, Hey, I've been using this logo and selling yeah. stuff with this logo forever. I, I think there is still something there. Even if it's not trademark, I could be wrong. Do not take uh, legal advice from me, which I'm sure. Yeah, let's get him on. You... He'll, he'll clear this up quickly. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, but um, all right. Question for you, Yuli. Yeah. You're driving through the great state of Louisiana. Love that and you're place. like, you know what? You know what? I, I want to, you know, I want to stretch my legs out. I want to play some disc golf real quick, you know, get the blood flowing. I've got, you know, I'm halfway through my, my drive, you know, let me make a quick pit stop. You pull out your U disc app, which funny thing is, you know, hopefully everyone continues to use U disc. Who knows? Maybe five, 10 years you're using some other thing, but you pull out your U disc app and you're like, let me see what courses are nearby. And uh, you, you come across the Louisiana healthcare connections disc golf park. And at the very top, there's a caution that says out of towners beware. Do not play here. Gun shootouts and car break-ins. Apparently a dead body found. Go somewhere else. Are you stopping and playing for the story? That is the question. No. I'm going. You're out? I'm good. I'm good on that. That's a pretty big warning. Is it on a sign? No, that's in the UDISC. When you go to the UDISC app, that is like the caution (laughs) thing that they have. Like when you're, when it's like a super muddy or something, it'll be like, Hey, caution, very muddy. They have a caution thing that says dead body found on course. Now, my question is, is this someone that's playing the game? Super smart. Is this a local? This is his course that he plays. He's tired of it being super busy. And so now he's like, you know what? I'm just going to say gunshots happen. The, your car is going to get broken into. And Oh, by the way, yes, someone was dead there. Someone did Michael Taylor in the chat Um, just said, but it is cart friendly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. good, Michael. That's good. There are a bunch of courses like this, like cliff drive in, uh, in Kansas city. Yeah. Dead bodies all the time. What? No. no, I'm telling you, no. dead bodies. No, I am not joking. So I went there a few times, a few different times. That one, and then what is it? A blue, blue mountain or some blue park? Some these two courses don't go there by yourself and play. It is not. It's not a good place. Like I went there uh, for the World Championships 2009. Mm-hmm. I'm playing there, just me and this other person. Cop rolls up and he's like, "What? What are you doing here?" I'm practicing for the world championships. They followed us as we practiced. 
for the world championships and like didn't leave and i'm like what the heck go back and everybody's like oh yeah you don't go there like <laughs> not dead bodies for sure no joke we do have confirmation here either big disker is telling the truth that they stopped maintaining the course because the crime is so bad or we just confirmed that big disker is the one in fact that made this post to prohibit uh, people from showing up and he's now smiling ear to ear playing this course by himself every day, <laughs> every day. no weight on the first tee. <laughs> one of those two things is true. So I'm not sure which one, maybe, uh, hey, he maybe can play by himself. I'm good. Yeah, maybe. So I thought that was funny. That was just a random Reddit post that I came across this week. Thought I would share it, but it is not the wild story of the week. The wild story of the week is another anonymous post, yeah. which I feel like those are probably the best because they do not want you to know who they are. So it starts like this. I would like to hear your thoughts on whether or not I was petty for my behavior during a tournament. By the way, intern David, he's the one that vets all these. And then he just sends me his favorite one. I don't read them until right now. Cause I want to have like that initial reaction yeah, yeah. with you. So intern David, if you ever send me one of these things and I'm like, what the heck am I reading? You know, watch out. But here we go. I was playing a two round C tier in West Virginia two years ago. I'm not a great disc golfer as I play sporadically, but at this point I had hit the point to where I could play MA three or MA two. And in this case I was playing my home course. So I decided to play MA two. It was the second round of the event and I was on chase card but I was eight strokes back. My card mates were six, seven and nine strokes back as well. Not to say we didn't have a chance, but it would require a lot of chasing the round proceeded to go, but to go. Okay. But I was what, but as I watched you disc, I was not catching the leader, but fortunately one of my card mates managed to get two strokes back. Unfortunately for us, he was one of the worst individuals I had ever played with. <laughs> He proceeded to complain the entire round. The course maintenance wasn't good enough. The card in front of us was too slow. This sounds like me. The grass was too high. He even went as far as to critique my throwing form. Wow. Okay. That's wow. Okay. Uh, you name it. And he complained, even though he was having a fantastic round around hole 12, we got to a backup after waiting 15 minutes. It was time to tee off. As I was there waiting for someone to go, I asked my card mates who had the box. The two other guys on my card thought it was me and told me to throw. As I went to throw on my reach back, the guy who was complaining the whole time yelled, Hey, I will call you for ability. It's my box. Without thinking and being mid throw, I let it go. Man, did it go so far into the woods, OB? It wasn't funny. <laughs> I said, what the, what the heck, man? We just asked everyone whose box it was. He said, it's, it's not my fault. You didn't pay attention. I'm calling you for a penalty. My car mates all laughed and said nothing. So I called myself on it, giving myself the penalty. Why would I do that? Well, this is why I had noticed earlier in the round. He had a tendency to slip sometimes on his disc when throwing, <laughs> oh, not boy. intentionally or even noticeable unless you watch closely, but it's a C tear who cares. So fast forward his next throw, he did it. And I called him on it. All of my card mates second and thirded the call. Boom penalty. <laughs> next he proceeded to putt with his foot OB and I called him on it. 
penalty. And finally, he proceeded to foot fault again on a throw on the final hole. And I called him on it and he got a penalty again. He ended up losing the tournament by one stroke. I watched him not stay for the payouts and go straight to his car. I smiled as he drove off. Was this too far? Oh my gosh. <laughs> this guy, this guy was having so much penalty. Penalty. <laughs> Oh, uh, this, this goes back to my, my ultimate Frisbee days of where you're, you're having that, the match where, you know, there are fouls happening between the two, but because it's self-officiated, everyone's kind of being like, ah, no, I'm not going to call that. Oh, I'm not going to call that. As soon as someone calls a foul, it's just like flood works. Man, just, yeah. And that's exactly if, if this guy would not have done anything, if he would have been like, oh no, don't worry about it. You, you could throw, I'll throw after you. He would have won this tournament. Yeah. He would have won this tournament. Was it this petty? Guy. Was it petty? Yeah. Oh, 1,000%. 100%. Yeah, that was the question. Was it petty? Yes, absolutely. Was it worth it though? Yeah. Yes, 100%. Oh, yeah. I yeah, like it. That, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's hilarious. I love these stories. So if you guys have crazy stories out there, um, send in your stories to our intern, David wildstorytour at gmail.com that is wildstorytour at gmail.com all right edwin stats are you ready to buckle up chat are you ready to buckle up because this week is wild he keeps i can't wait you uh yuli until the season starts because he sends he sends me this thing and i i always know what i'm getting myself into because he always sends me a voice memo and a voicemail of him explaining everything. So I can kind of try to do my best explaining it on here in the voicemail. I know what to expect based on the, the length. So I open this voice memo. It's 15 minutes and I'm like, Oh baby. Okay, <laughs> here we go. And he said like, once the season starts, he's going to have all these tournament breakdown stats and everything. And I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. So shout out to Edwin stats. Um, First thing I want to say before we jump into this is he did not separate out wooded holes versus open holes. These are all holes combined. He's going to be working on maybe doing that. I think right now he's going back through all the Jomez footage and taking notes of what holes are wooded and what holes are open. So we can actually have statistics of like, this is what Yuli's average of playing open holes are. This is what Yuli's average of playing wooded holes are. I think that's going to be fascinating. The other thing is, and this was kind of confusing last time to me, and he did a great job explaining it. So Yuli, tell me if this makes sense. Cause if I can explain this well to you, then everyone will understand it. If your birdie percent is 10%, and it goes up to 15%. It didn't increase by 5%. It actually increased by 50%. And the easier way, the, another way of kind of thinking of that is if you you're know that meme where the, all the, the numbers, yeah, going all over. <laughs> going, going, all going from 10%, and this might be easier, going from 10% to 20%. You, you didn't increase your birdie percentage by 10%. You increased it by 100%. You're actually, you're, you're, you're doubling the amount of birdies, right? You went from birding one out of every 10 holes to now you're birding two every 10. So 
I don't think I explained that well last week, so I apologize. But that is uh, that's third grade math, big bro. Okay, Brian, chill out, man. Some people get confused by it, and so I want I want to clarify everyone before we dig into Edwin's stats. So here we go. We are breaking down this week the statistics breakdown of par threes versus par fours versus par fives. So in 2023, over half the holes played, 51.5% of the holes played on the Pro Tour were par threes, while only 7.7% were par fives. This dynamic has been consistent since 2019, with only a slight increase in par fives. Birdie rates in C1, green, and regulation are highest for par fives as expected. So before we get into it, Yuli, the whole breakdown here, We've got 51.5% of the holes par threes, 40.8% of the holes par fours, and only 7.7% par fives. What do you think the, what, what would be the ideal breakdown of par threes, fours, and fives on a course? What do you mean the ideal breakdown? Well, you know, in, in golf, there's an ideal breakdown. There's four par threes. There's four oh, par okay. fives. I got, I got you. I got you. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. I, I was uh, right now. We're playing half, on this. Half, sorry, yeah. half the holes we're playing right now are par threes. Yeah. Do you I think, think? No, no. Do you I think, think that's what it should be? I think it should be the same as traditional golf. Pretty close to it. I think three to four par threes, then the rest par fours with three par fives. Okay. That's what I would I like. I definitely you? would like to see more than 7% par fives. That's for sure. Um, so birdie, birdie rate, you see 32, 32.6% birdie rate of par threes, 31% birdie rate of par fours and 43.2% birdie rate in par fives. I believe these statistics, uh, it might say here in a second, but I believe these statistics are from the top 50 players in the world, okay. uh, tour players in the world. Um, all right, now we're going to break down into who's who's playing these the who's playing holes the best. So par three player birdie rate. Calvin he Calvin Heinberg sits at the top at 47.8 percent. Uh, you go down here a little bit. I'm actually he got me on here at 23 23rd. So I play the par threes better than the par fours and par fives, which I would not have guessed. Yuli, you're on here at 64. Nathan Queen's on here at 70. Um, then you go into the par fours. You've got Simon Lizotte leading the charts at birding almost uh, more than half. That's wild. That's crazy. You flip a coin, and that's basically if Simon's going to birdie or not on a par four. That's wild. 50.1%. 50, 50 Eagle and Calvin are right behind him, both at around 48%. And then on the bottom, you have Robert Burridge, Greg Barsby, Casey White, all sub 28%. Par fives, no surprise here. Eagle McMahon absolutely destroys the par fives. His birdie rate is at 66%. You also have Calvin Heimberg, a surprising one here. Alden Harris, 61.7%, number third, third on the list here. Very surprising. And if you go to the bottom, you have Isaac Robinson, world champion, 27. James Conrad, 54. And then Nicholas Antilla, um, Antilla, excuse me, Antilla at 75th. So takeaways from this, only six players, Yuli, placed in the top 10 of par threes, par fours, and par fives. That is Calvin, Eagle, Ricky, Gannon, Cole, and AB. Those, that's it. Um, 
And then the interesting thing here too, which I would not have thought Isaac top seven in par threes and par fours, but 27th in par fives. Huh. Any, any idea there? Now, obviously there's going to be people being like, Oh, he doesn't throw far. He throws far. Yeah. He throws he, far. He so what, what do you think that might be there? Not having a sidearm, having to scramble maybe? I don't know. I more. feel like par fives are the easiest ones to get. I wonder I wonder why that's so different with so many players. Don't you think when you get to a par five, it's usually the most scorable hole? That's what I feel like. Well, for him, it still is, right? So he, he birdies par threes 43.7% of the time, and he birdies par fours 41.6%. And he birdies par fives, 47.4. Okay, okay, so, so he still birdies them more yeah, than yeah, the yeah. others, but comparatively to the other people in the field, he drops off significantly he in that category compared yeah, to others. He doesn't throw super far. short. He doesn't throw short, but if you look at the people ahead of him. Yeah, they're bombers, except for Matty O. He bombs though. He throws farther. I would he, say he throws farther than, than um, you Isaac. You might be right. You might be right. Yeah, you and might I mean, be right. And and I mean, when you talk about Matty O, dude, guy's mm-hmm. kind of a shredder. Oh, at all oh stuff. Ed- Edwin Stats also is correcting us. These are for um, everyone that played 15 events on the Pro right. Tour in 2023. So Although, he said about 85 guys, about 85 yeah, guys. because I was in 64th. We had 50 yeah, players. That's tough. I, that's, yeah, yeah. That's sorry, pretty, sorry, I'm sorry. pretty far down there. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're off the charts here. You're <laughs> off the charts. Um, okay, so now he goes on. Next slide, he goes on to talk about par threes distance. We're playing half the holes. We're playing par yep. threes, right? So he does say that par threes are getting longer. Looking at it, there's been a 30% increase in holes greater than 450 feet versus 2019. Um, So if you look at the graph in the middle, you can see the holes that are over 450 feet for par threes. You see the line kind of shifting up. And we actually went, we went from 12%, 11%, and then we went to 17, 16, and 16. So we're kind of leveling out at that 17 to 16 mark um, with the other two kind of almost evening out around the 40, 44 uh, percentage, um, which I like. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of having more par threes that are in that 40, 400 to 450 range because your misses can really, uh, can really cause problems. Well, what about what, it, what, Question for you. What do you think is mm-hmm. too far for a par three? Flat ground. Hmm. Or how far it plays. How far? Like, that's a good way to as far I, as how far this thing. Plays. I don't. I think 450 is like the, is like the sweet spot. I don't. I feel like if you go over 450, it needs to be somewhat downhill. I don't like these 500 foot par par threes because you at 500 feet, you can't really make the greens tricky. Yeah, because no one is super accurate at 500 feet, especially if you add in a little variable like wind, it, yeah, it makes done. it way too fluky. Right. So, um, what, what are your what are your thoughts? No, like, right what, what's yeah, your five, four four seventy five? That's pushing it for me. You know what I mean? That's that's what I'm I'm thinking for sure. I'm yeah. right in there as far as the the peak. Once you get to that 500 foot mark, kind of kind of crazy. Yeah, you, it just six hundred. No, 
those downhill 600 foot holes. No, thank you. Um, and, and this is exactly what I'm talking about, right? You look at this, this graph right here. This is the 2023 birdie rate, less than 350 feet. Yuli is birdied almost half the time, 47.1. And then you go to 350 to 450. Now it's 33%. You go to 450, greater than 450, 17.3. Yeah. I would I would love to see I think 17% is fine, but I would love to see that 350 number get shoved over more more emphasis on the 350 to 450 yeah. versus these short holes that half the field are birding every time. You you're just not really getting much score separation there. It's okay to have a a Yes. One per. I think it's if I were to design a course, I would want one real easy gettable. You know what I mean? That's like right there, maybe a putter shot, something where you have to have touch going into some sort of maybe even an island green, a classic yeah, some trouble a, around it. A classic short shot. Yeah, and I then I would push it up a little bit farther as the course um moves on. I'd have like maybe a 350 to uh, 400 wooded tunnel, hit a gap, get it to go that distance, and then a longer one as it would progress down the thing. But yeah, Edwin makes a good point here too. He says like hole one at USCGC. I think hole one at USCGC is a pretty solid par three because you can make bogey there, right? Yeah. You miss miss the Mando. You can certainly make bogey yeah, there. Classic, classic little putter shot. I don't like it as hole one. I think it's a terrible hole one. It's it's a terrible hole one. Same thing. You know, actually, was a really good hole too. Is that uh, when we played Jones, the whole hole one at Jones with like the mulch island? Yeah. Now I didn't like that people were like jump putting. Yeah, that's shorts, silly. And then ju- that was that was silly. But again, like that's a great par three hole, just not hole one. I don't like seeing those holes as hole one. But I agree with you there. Um, all right. Any surprise here? There were three players who placed in the top 10 across all the distances, Calvin and Eagle, not too surprising. I mean, two of the top Calvin, best player in the world, Eagle top five player in the world. No, no joke, but Corey Ellis shreds the par threes. He was also the only other person that was in the top 10 across all distances. Surprise with wow. Corey Ellis there. No, no, no. Okay. No. All right. Not, not surprised, says Yuli. Um, all right, some other names on the short par threes. Uh, you got so obviously Calvin, he's burning 60.4%, Yuli, of Man. par threes less than 350 <laughs> wow. feet. My goodness. Um, and then all these guys are over 50. You've got Isaac, Gannon, Matty O, Cole, Kyle Klein, Corey Ellis, Ricky, all those guys are over 50. You have to drop all the way down to 26 where I'm sitting at 49.7% uh, and 26. So the top 25 guys are birding these short par threes half the time. Yeah. That's, and, and that's the majority of the, of the, of the, of the, you know, not the majority, but it's pretty much close to the majority of the par threes we play. Yeah. And then the majority of the holes are par three. So the majority of the holes that we play are holes that guys are just burning all the time. Mm-hmm. So definitely needs some sort of tweaking, some sort of change. All right. Big, big holes over 450. Any surprise with these names at the top of the list? Cole Radalin, number one at 34.2%. Ricky Wysocki, Calvin Heimberg, Isaac Robinson, Aaron Gossage, Eagle McMahon, 
And rounding out the top seven, you have AB. I mean, they're all smashers, except for, again, except there, for Isaac. There you go with the he Isaac, throws, everybody who says he doesn't throw far. He's getting he, them. He throws far. Them. Yeah. That's what. That's why I don't get these par fives. I, I don't under, I, I have to think there's enough par fives that we play, like in the woods, Idlewild, um, Ledgestone, of where if you get off, you're having to scramble, and because he doesn't have a sidearm, maybe that's limiting the number of birdies maybe, he has. Maybe. I don't like see him Ricky ever off and the all these, <laughs> I know. I don't either. I don't either. Uh, yeah. maybe Or maybe the couple tournaments that we have par fives, because it's not that many, he just didn't play that well, and th- maybe that's all it is. Um, some guys that not not super surprised to see at the bottom of the list for the uh, long range, you've got James Conrad at 47th. Andrew Marweed at 65th and Joel Freeman at 70th. Joel's a little surprising for me. Joel can rip it forehand and backhand. Yeah, that is surprising. And James Conrad rips. He, he does, he does throw far, but again, he's, he's limited to just the backhand, which, you know, I don't know. So is Isaac though, but Isaac's backhand. I think Isaac's got the best backhand in the world. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, all right, some big notable drops. You have Andrew Marweed. He's number 15th on the short par threes. He drops all the way down to number 65, a 50-person drop on the long par threes. Okay. And I think this is just a backhand thing, right? Yeah, he doesn't have the big distance. He's got an incredible forehand, but throwing four 400 plus forehands on some of these shots, very, very tough. And I think that's all that is. Biggest drop on the long to short. You've got number eight in the world, Ben Callaway for long par threes. He drops to number 51 for short par threes. What do you think that's about? Like throwing it hard. Likes putting Just it out there. Full tough spins. To, tough to have like that touch to. Yeah, maybe to down tempo a bit. Yeah. Uh, biggest increases. No surprise here. Ezra Robinson uh, increased his short hole birdie rate by 24%. And then this was a huge one. He almost doubled it. So he's almost 100% better or 100%, 100% increase. Adam Hammy's birdie oh, wow. rate, long holes. He likes those long ones. He's got them dialed in. Um, and our final sl- slide, I think this is the best slide that uh, Edwin Stats puts out for us. It kind of shows you where everyone is. So for those listening, basically it's got the, uh, the photos of all the players in a four quadrant graph from left to right. You're going to go for, with short holes. And then the uh, Y axis is going to be the long holes. So the players that you see in the top right quadrant, those are the players that are going to be playing better than the field, better than the average field, which the average field are the top 50 players. These players are playing better than the top 50 players on average on long holes and short holes. And this is across par threes, par fours, and par fives. It doesn't matter. So obviously no surprise. You have Calvin Heimberg off the charts. Like he's the highest out of everyone for the short holes. He's pretty much the highest out of everyone except for Simon Lazat. Simon Lazat's the only one that hasn't beat for the long holes. Um, other names in this top quadrant, you have Gannon, Eagle, Simon, Ricky, Isaac, AB, Ezra Ader holds in there as well. Um, guys that do really well in the long holes, but struggle on the short holes. 
No, the, this is, the, I'm not super surprised by these guys. You've got Gooseman, Jake Hebenheimer, who rips it, Double G, and Ben Callaway. And then also Albert Tam. Like all those guys, super crazy big distance. Yeah. But like you said, maybe like the down tempo. Uh, right? that, like, and, and when you think about like most of the short, short holes that we play on tour, like think about, think about like uh, Smugs. You go over yes. to Fox Run, short little sidearm. Yeah. The, what's the one going into the corner? Short little sidearm. Mm. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of these little short chipper sidearms out yeah, there. Like on forehand the zones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then some of the people that are in the bottom left quadrant, which is the quadrant you do not want to be. I am one of those people, unfortunately. But also some names that are really interesting here. You got Bradley Williams. Bradley Williams is in there. So he performs on, uh, compared to the average, he performs worse on the longer holes and then a little bit worse on the shorter holes. Uh, Another name in there, Nicholas is in there as well, which I'm very surprised to see. Um, You know, Andrew Marwe, Chandler Kramer, two forehand dominant players are in there. Um, And then on the players that do well on the short holes, but struggle on the long holes. You've got um, Matty O, Nico, Chris Dickerson, and James Conrad. So there you have it. Edwin stats, ladies and gentlemen, again, as always, if uh, um, yeah, he says, remember this is based on the top 50 players. So they could just be in the high twenties and just be below average. Yeah, exactly. Right. So they're still nasty. Correct. They could be 27th in the world. Um, but it's just kind of in comparison that just shows you like how crazy like Calvin is right. Or yeah. Simon or Eagle of where they're outperforming everyone crazy in every, in every distance, every aspect, every aspect. Yeah. So shout out to Edwin stats as always. If you guys like Edwin stats, make sure you drop a like on this video and let them know in the comment section, you want more Edwin stats. And someone just said, we need to get an Edwin stats emoji. So, uh, I, like I will it. be, I'll be working on that. Um, this week in Foundation Disc Golf, we have the imposter video. I believe that just went up today. One of my favorite video series. If you want to see me absolutely get dominated at New London, which I'm sure a lot of you do, go check that out on Foundation Disc Golf. Also, update, Connor has now spent over 12 hours trying to ace hole three at Peaksview, Yuli. He, still he hasn't, hasn't done he it. hasn't done it. We might need an intervention. We might need Yuli to come up and help Connor ace hole three at Peaks View for the first time. We did a live stream where every minute that went by, a dollar went away. We started at a hundred dollars. So every minute that dropped, he was at 99, 98. As soon as he aces, he keeps whatever money's on the table. People were donating money to put time back (laughs) on for him to try to ace. We got down to the very end. And I said, Connor, you know what? You're like trying to ace for three or four bucks right now. Let's throw all hundred dollars back in. If you get an ace in these last like 10 minutes, you'll win all hundred dollars. He had one of my double stamped black get freakies. Straight into the chains, straight out. Ugh. That was the only close one. That's and the like only almost, close one. 
Well, maybe he what hit kind cage of once. Is he? Uh, Silas, <laughs> you got a you got an answer to that yeah, question? Like, how good is this guy? Uh, I, th- I think Hunter him? said he was like his rating was like eight thirty ish. I think Hunter said was like his okay, rating. painting a different picture. Um, he he he, he, he loves the Heiser flip. He loves the Heiser. He flip. loves the Heiser flip. Yeah, and he did break. It's always 86. a passion. It's always a passion. It is his favorite, and yes, he did break eighty six finally at New London. So he can shoot better than eighty six at New is London. This hole? Uh, Silas, so one. It's like one hundred and eighty thirty. Oh, one hundred eighty feet downhill. Straight. Yeah, nothing yeah. in the way. Oh, there's nothing in the way. No, it's just a hundred. It's just a basket out in a field that's a little downhill, one hundred eighty feet away. Oh man. Yeah, that's tough. I don't know. We called Ezra. Ezra was in Bali. It was three o'clock in the morning to try to get him a hype. You know, hype him up. Didn't work. Um, I don't know what to do, man. I don't know what to do. It's tough. Everyone in foundations ace that hole. He needs to just get like 10 of the same disc and just do that. That's what he needs. Yeah. Same disc, very overstable, little spike hyzer down the hill, same disc, bang, bang. Sounds like a uh, job for the cap wrap. wrap. Honestly. All right. Maybe we just get him like 20 cap wraps and just put him out there and see what happens. I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm starting to lose hope. I thought I thought he was going to get it done when I got up there. Um, it didn't happen. I was very sad. And uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what to do. But we'll, we'll we'll move on. It's a sad story. We'll move on. Listener questions here. Listener questions. If you guys want to send us in your listener questions, you can do that by clicking the link in the description. It will throw you into a form where you can throw in your questions for me and Yuli to answer here live every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. All right, first one is from Paul. Paul wants to know, I have a question for Brody and Yuli. I appreciate the openness openness about the earnings and expenses on tour, but I'm curious to know, now that tax season is here, do you have to be mindful of taxes on your earnings and whether tour expenses are write-offs? Also, I imagine social media earned income is heavily taxed. What's the headache with taxes that comes with being a touring pro? Thanks, guys. Love the show. Before you say that real quick, Ira donated $9.99. Yuli, congrats on the baby news. My wife, Megan, and I are expecting our first with a due date of August 27th. It was fun to listen together last week. Needless to say, we are rooting for you this year. Oh, I appreciate that, man. We're going to, well, maybe we'll have the baby on the same day. Mine's the 26th due date. So right there. Dude, we, we're going to be birthday month babies. I know. Maybe. I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's right around my birthday. That'd be cool. Okay. September okay. 7th. But back to the question. We're all really close. Yeah. Yeah. Ta- so go ta- ahead. Taxes, taxes. Taxes. Yeah. They're a nightmare. Everybody knows that. Everybody hates taxes. Yeah. You got to be mindful. You got to be super mindful. Because. Uh, being a 1099, you get taxed everywhere, every which way. But you also have a bunch of deductions from your travel expenses. Um, so you got to have a good tax guy to be able to do handle that. I'm excited about having a baby and being married. That's a nice tax write-off. <laughs> but uh, no, um, I think I think uh, actually there's some old, some older. The older generations got got into some trouble with taxes, I believe. 
um, big time. So it's definitely on the radar, but I mean, you just got to adult and, and f- figure it out. <laughs> Make sure you pay your taxes. Uh, this, this last year, like for example, for me, I didn't catch a couple things and it really bit me, mm. but um, that's just life. Sometimes it happens. Yeah. The tax man will always come after you. And I learned very quickly in my uh, businesses, I guess you want to say that you don't have to be an expert at everything. And sometimes it's better not to be an expert at everything and find good people around you. Mm -hmm. And so I've been, I've the person that does me and uh, Kelsey's taxes. um, uh, Kelly is her name. She's out in California and we've been with her for man 10 10 years maybe maybe a little bit more than 10 years and it is uh it is a blessing it's something that i never have to worry about like she she does it all so it is a blessing so if you have the ability of being able to find someone out there to do it for you um i would highly suggest that because you're right yuli like it's it is dicey you're getting money in different states all these things there's all sorts of stuff where I don't know. I don't know. That's that's I'll leave it at that. Uh, Corey wants to know as two pros who each record slash put out some of the most popular mic'd up practice rounds on YouTube. Does part of you wish you could just hone in for an event without having to turn it into content? Does the obligation to record and perform for the camera hinder your prep for a tournament or does it not bother you at all? I mean, it depends. Sometimes it bothers me on big, on big, big tournament weekends, um, worlds, different things like that, where I really want to try to get focused. But I, I feel like, I mean, I can't speak for Brody, but for myself, I'm pretty good at compartmentalizing all that stuff and, and kind of flipping it to, um, I don't know. I feel like I'm lucky to be able to do all that stuff and I'm in a good position and a lot of people wishes or they would wish that they, they were doing what I do. Um, so I, I try to look at it as, as kind of a blessing and it's practice. Um, sometimes, yeah, sometimes it gets old and I don't want to do it for sure. Just like anything, but, um, you know, it's important to take a step back and be like, no, this is a good thing. And I'm very blessed to be able to do it. That's the way I look at it. The way I've always handled social media too, is like, it's, you know, I can basically just flip a switch very easily. And the nice thing is I've never, I've never played a character. All I've kind of done is juiced up my intensity level. Right. So that's why sometimes, you know, people might come up to me and be like, Oh man, like you're way more chill than you are in your YouTube videos. Or, you know, I thought you were going to be bouncing off the walls. Like I'm normally not that guy of where I'm bouncing off the walls or whatnot. But if you put me in the right scenario, it's very easy for me to juice, you know, juice my level of excitement up to that. Um, And so that's kind of what it is on YouTube. Like if you come out and you, you watch me, Ezra, Aaron, Yuli, you watch us all play a practice round together. It's not going to be that much different whether the cameras are on us or not. There's certain things that are obviously, you know, we're talking to the camera about what the hole is going to do and all this. But other than that, it's not that much different. Mm -mm. No, we're definitely lucky in in that regard to where, I mean, shoot, they've they've seen me on on my practice rounds grumpy, (laughs) without a doubt, grumpy, like I'm not having a good day. And I'll tell them, I'll be like, man, today's not a good day for me. Yeah, I'm Um, not feeling it. And But that's a good thing, like you said, about, 
not having to change who you are on there. And I feel like that's probably what makes us pretty popular with the fans is you get what you get that day from me. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think as disc golf continues to grow and more spotlight are on these players, you know, you'll start kind of seeing that come through a little bit more of, Oh wow. Like that person acts like this or that person's like this. And, um, I've always told people, I was like, the best thing that you can do when you are in the business of basically fans paying your paychecks. And that's kind of what's happening, right? Like if, if disc golf wasn't popular and no one was watching, no one was buying discs, it'd be very hard for people to make a living in the disc golf space playing it. So we're very reliant on the fans. The same thing with social media. You're very reliant on the views People that watch the show were very reliant on that. So is Silas. So keep watching and hit that subscribe button. Yes, Silas is very, yeah, exactly. And uh, if you're having to put on a character every time, one, it gets tiresome. And two, it's just people will be able to read through that eventually. Oh, for sure. They'll be able to see through it. And in this day and age, I think being authentic and yeah, some days are good. Yeah. Some days are bad. I think that is going to be uh better long-term than you being like, Oh, I'm going to act like the super bubbly, super happy guy all the time. And then like the cameras aren't on you and you're punching a tree and, and doing stuff where you're just like, Whoa, what, what just happened there? So um yeah, I'll say that. All right. Eric wants to know, how can we make the foundation crew talk and respect the FPO division as much as the MPO division? The talking points and talking time is favoring the MPO so much right now. If we want to grow disc golf, um, you talk about this a lot. We want more engagement from women, right? The FPO division is more than just stating that Kristen Tatar is dominant. Is it though? That would be my pushback. I don't think the FPO division right now really has massive storylines that are captivating outside of just how dominant Kristen Tatar is. They can. They certainly can. Paige Pierce comes back after her, her injury and starts picking up some W's. That can happen. Um I think I think I can answer this too. I, I think yeah, it go goes back it. to what even what I said last week, where I was when we we saw um, Kristen getting these big big time sponsors, and I made the um, suggestion that maybe this will fire the rest of them up to bring them up to that kind of level because uh, I think that's what it needs. I think they need to um, really figure out a way maybe to. Now, uh, social media is a great place for it, the, where you can get out there, get your name out there, get your personality out there and do that, that sort of work. Kristen does it by dominating, right? And so... She does have a good social media, though, too. She, she does. She, absolutely. She, she has kind of been killing it. I think yes. this new management team that she, she took on is, is definitely elevating her severely. But, but what I'm saying is it's up to them to make the storylines. It's not up to us. You know, like if we want to have more of that news, they need to be doing these things. They need me getting the big sponsors. They need to be winning tournaments. They need to be like uh paid. Like you said, page coming, coming on the show. When we ask you to come on the show, <laughs> like, what the heck? Like we said with Paige Pierce coming off of the injury, that's a big time storyline. Um, 
Kona having another breakout year this year. That would be a big-time storyline coming off of a few injuries and then having a, a, a great breakout season. Um, like, it, it just – it's not up to us to do those things. And when we see in the MPO division, it's just more popular right now too. It's just oh, more vastly. popular. It's well, like it's, not even. It's, it's not even a. It's not even close. Um, sports in general are, are male dominated. Like it's just. Yeah. It's just a much more popular thing. I mean, it's it's the same thing as like, hey, how do we get more guys watching The Bachelor? We really need to get more guys watching The Bachelor. What should we do? I don't know. Good luck. Yeah. There's just a, lot, a lot of guys just don't like watching that type of TV. So my pushback would be like, I feel like we do talk about the FPO a lot. A, a yeah, more lot. more than we probably should, honestly. A lot. Mm-hmm. To be fair, I, I think we talk about certain stories that a majority of our audience does not care about. And that's that's just the honest truth. If you really want to hear it, that's just the honest truth. But when you know when stories happen that get me excited to talk about, by all means we will. The Maria Olivia situation, if you guys were around for that, like that was a big storyline. We want her to come on and talk about it. Um, there's only so much we can do. And, um, the one thing I will say that the, the women's game has that the men's game doesn't is the relatability. When you watch the guys play, you're watching and saying they're doing stuff that I never could do. They're doing stuff that I wish I could do the women's game. They're not throwing 500 feet where you're like, I can't throw that far. What the heck? They're throwing the same distances that the majority of disc golfers watching are throwing. Yeah. But they're scoring way better. So you can relate to like, what are they doing in their game? What makes them so much better than me? And to me, I think that's their biggest, their biggest, um, you know, I don't know, asset, I guess you could say that that can push them forward. I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, Tony says it right here. Compared to other sports, we watch the women more than others. Um, yeah, and, and and a lot of that has to do with the Disc Golf Pro Tour keeping them together. I think if the Disc Golf Pro Tour were to separate and the men went out and played a tour and then the women went out and, like, I guess someone, I don't know, GK Pro would film that or whatever, I think you would see a massive decrease in viewership. So that's just, that's just what it is. But I'm with you, Yuli. If you want us to talk about FPO more, give us something to talk about. Yeah. And you know, one of the, one of the things that I remember when I was trying to kind of come up and start, I guess my separate career, as far as like being more involved with YouTube, social media, practice rounds, all those different things um, is I would, I would ask to be on shows. I would be, the, I wasn't being asked. Mm-hmm. I would ask, I would go up and be like, Hey, I would love to be on your show. We can talk about this, 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 I have these things going on. This is what I'm trying to do. I don't see that in the FPO division. And I'm, I'm probably wrong. There probably are some that request, but that's just one of the things that I would do in order to get like the, my, my own popularity up because I know how important it is to get in front of the camera or whatever. And I guarantee this, if they message us and say, Hey, I got this going on, blah, blah, blah. I'd love to come out and talk about it. Guess what? That's the key thing. Yeah. We got to have something going on. Yeah, exactly. We would do it for sure. 
Oh no, hundred percent. Um, I mean, we are we are open to any and all players if they have something interesting to talk about or wanting to share or whatnot. We are open to any of that. But, but that's but that's the but, thing. Like then people would probably have like from the outside looking in would be like, oh, they got Yuli to do that. No, I that was me. I said, hey, I have this. I want to come on your show. You get what I mean? I and would say the pushback that we might get is our show. I, I can see this being like, our, well, your show's not welcoming to the FPO players. That's not true. Which I don't know why that would be the case, but I could I could see pushback being like, why would an FPO player want to come on your podcast? And the answer to that is because you're going to get a couple thousand people to listen to what you have to say. Yeah, which is that's, important. That's the answer. You get your personality out there. Yeah. You, um, you let people know what's going on with your life. I mean, that that's what I'm saying. That's what I did bef- before, like after I hurt my knee, I left and I saw a big drop in my fandom, every all, the, all that stuff. And when I came back, I'm like, I'm not going to let that happen again. I got to mm. get to work. Yeah. That's what so, it takes. Um, yeah. We're, we're definitely open. Silas will set it up. So um, you guys know how to get in contact with us. Yeah. If, if there are anyone that wants to pop on and talk about something that you got going on, or, or maybe you just want to talk about like, the state of the FPO, what you think the FPO needs yeah. to do differently. Um, we're, we're open into, to any of those conversations. Um, we have a final question here from David Craig with two G's. I don't know if this was a typo or if his last name has two G's. If, if, if it does, that's, that's kind of sick. How often on the pro tour in the past, have you found yourself playing with someone that it's obvious they don't belong, meaning they just clearly don't have the power needed. And is it more irritating playing with that player? If they move fast, um, if they move fast, they're always in the fairway, but I, but just don't have the distance or is it worse playing with someone who has all the talent, but just takes forever to play. Slow players are the worst. First <laughs> off, it's not, that's the worst. Slow players are awful. It's bad. Yeah. So if you're terrible and you're throwing four shots before I get to my first shot, if you're playing quickly, I'm not going, it's, it's not matter. a problem. No, yeah, it's not a problem. Here's, and here's the thing. Like we all, these play players also sometimes. don't exist anymore, by the yeah. way, but continue. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, like you said, but, but, but like just throw your, sh- I've throw plenty of shots. Way, you saw the statistics way more than Calvin and all, all those yeah. guys way more, but I keep up, man. I'm one of the fastest players. Slow play sucks, man. But uh, yeah, people yeah. aren't talking about that. Yuli, that me and you throw twice as many shots as Calvin in a season and the wear and tear that we have to endure. And Calvin yeah, does tough. it. That's like, a storyline people don't talk about. He has it easy for sure. <laughs> um, but like Brody was just alluding to is they, those players don't exist. If you're playing on the pro tour, you're good. They did in 2020 and a little in 2021. Yeah. But, a little. But now, no. And listen, like there's low level professionals that are good, that are like mm-hmm. really good on, on a good weekend will definitely cash on the pro tour that aren't even on the tour. And then, yeah. like uh, when I go to the court, like I've been playing these small tournaments the last three weeks, the level of talent to where I go when I watch people play, I'm just like, this isn't the same anymore. 
like people have never heard of and they're throwing lines and I'm like, wait, this isn't something that I would see back in the day when I used to play all these small tournaments. And now I'm kind of dipping my toe back in there and I'm seeing the talent level has risen uh, exponentially. So yeah, two, two reasons for that, right? The expansion of disc golf with COVID and everything, Mm -hmm. the social media side, like more people are seeing clips of disc golf, more people are getting introduced to it. So you just have a bigger pool of players and then also just the money right now. There are people that are saying like, my goal is to play and be a professional disc golfer. That wasn't the case when no one was really making, I mean, I'm sure some people were still like, Oh, it'd be cool to travel the, the world and, and play disc golf. But it's a whole different animal when you're like, wait, I could, I could be making like $250,000 a year playing disc golf. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go practice. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I'm going to. So I think those two are the, the biggest things that have uh, kind of made that happen now. Right. Yeah, for sure. It's fun to see, man. It's fun to see. All right. Housekeeping here. Uh, tour life crew. We got a couple of new members tonight. Thank you guys so much. Everyone in the chat tonight's been awesome. If you want to join and be a part of the tour life crew, go check it out on the YouTube channel on foundation podcast. Um, for those that don't know soon, soon, this channel is going to be converted into tour life. So grip locked is going over to their own channel. All the other shows are going to be, uh, I think, I got to talk. Do you, size, do you know off the top of your head? I think it's like end it's, of the month, maybe? It's at maybe? the start of the season. So, so co- yeah, a couple end weeks. of the month around. Yeah. Um, so this is going to be Tour Life's headquarters. You're going to see, instead of the foundation logo, you're going to see Tour Life's logo. This will all be Tour Life. Um, and that'll be really exciting because we'll be able to put a lot more content out uh, for you guys to see right here. So we appreciate all of our Tour Life crew members. Tour Life crew merch update. I see, Yuli, you finally got it. What do you think? They're sweet, man. Comfy. I just got it today. I got the... Wait, let me see here. Oh, yeah. Looking good. American flag on the back. What is mine? Um, what are you? You're wearing the dark color one. So what is that one? Can you see that? Is that camo or white? It might be white. white. It looks like white. Yeah, white. Um, all right, Silas. Everyone wants to know, Tour Life versus Grip Locked. Where are we looking on February 6th right now? So Tour Life soul. is at... It, they've been pushing their merch so hard. Hey, wait, which so one do you hard. want first? Uh, give us Tour Life first. Okay. Yeah. All right. Tour Life is... 114. Okay. Grip locked Bad. is oh boy. 126. Okay. Yeah. Shredded. Yeah. They're they've hey, they've been hey, they've been making a lot of posts. They've been they've been pushing it. They've been pushing. They've got the grip locks got good merch out there. Uh, but if you want some tour life merch, check out the website, foundationpodcast.com. Check it out. We've got these new um Yuli horse hats in too. I've I got need the, some of those. I've got the yeah. Talk to Hunter. They look at the, look at this hat right here. Hold on. I, I might wear this hat on tour a little bit. This is the. Uh, oh, I like this that. Is, this is the camo. I like the camo. What are you guys doing hat. out there? You guys are let. I gotta talk to our viewers real quick. Give me a second. What okay, are you guys doing? It. You're gonna let. 
uh, lunchbox or what? What is it called? <laughs> uh, grip lock. Grip. Yeah, grip lock. I don't even know their name, and you're gonna let them cr- crush us in sales? Come on, do me a favor. Hit the subscribe button and go buy some merch. It's fire. Look at that hat. It's fire. I'm, I will I'm actually say, I'm sad about it. I will say though, I think we might be winning because Edwin just said, hey, put a one dollar Yuli horse keychain on there and I'll grab 20. I think we are winning the uh like the revenue. Because I think they're selling a lot of these Connor horse shirts. And we're selling a lot of the hoodies. So I think we might be winning on the revenue. I don't know. I, think I, don't, it might care. Be... I don't care what it is. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we need a Silas shirt. Silas, you got anything? You got anything for the people? Maybe we need an Edwin Stats shirt. Edwin Stats shirt? Yes. Yes. Do we need an Edwin Stats shirt? It's just a picture of a guy oh and my... it has all the, all the numbers around All him. the numbers and it just That's said Edwin it. Stats. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We just see. Silas, can you work with Hunter tomorrow on getting a, getting some designs? See, here's our problem. Well, first our we got to ask Edwin, our... you're listening. Can we make an Edwin Stats shirt or hat? We'll give him, we'll give him, we'll give him some of that profit. Yeah, I know, but we'll I'm asking. Can you, he said, I'll buy my... 10 for my fam and hey, friends. We just got a <laughs> yes, sale. Go. We just got a sale. We went up one. Tour Life's at one. 15 that's what i'm talking Freaking about go. see it just takes a little talk a little yuli talk Here, here's the problem though yuli our our head designer is on grip locked it's all right Four life's is, designer this is, is on grip lock hey is, they went over there and they made the uh what was the face Connor horse the Connor horse now we're yeah. making edwin no one will be able to compete with edwin stats i feel like edwin stats might be the number one <laughs> might, i think that might be the number one the m- number one product um all right silas you got to work with hunter tomorrow on getting some designs for Edwin stats so we can get them on the website. Absolutely. Okay. Love I it. love that. I love this. Um, all right. Spotify, Apple, we've got 944 reviews on Spotify, 256 on Apple. We are 56 reviews away from a thousand on Spotify, which I don't think Spotify sends us anything, but that would be cool to hit a thousand reviews on Spotify. Yeah. That's wild. That's a lot. So wow. we appreciate all of our audio listeners as well all as our viewers here live on YouTube. That's all me and Yuli have for this week on tour life next yeah. week. We're going to be bringing you, I believe, the all-star draft goes down this Thursday. So we'll bring you some of that. Maybe we'll have the two team captains on, which Ooh. I don't even know off the top of my head. It should be Calvin and probably Gannon, Eagle, Isaac. I don't yeah, I don't know. Size, do you know who the team captains are? No, I have no clue. Calvin no and clue. Isaac would be my guess, but we're not sure. Maybe we'll have both team captains on. Maybe we'll have someone on Disc Golf Law telling us about all the wrong stuff that we said tonight. Maybe we'll, have a, maybe we'll have a call in from an FPO player. Maybe someone, yeah, maybe an FPO player wants to come on. Maybe someone from UDIS wants to come on. Maybe Jeff Spring will come on. There, we might have a lot of guests next week, and we also might have none because we are clout chasers. But that's going <laughs> to do it for Tour Life this week. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.